Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning and welcome to Exact Earth's fourth quarter and fiscal 2020 financial results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following management's prepared remarks, we will conduct a question and answer session during which analysts are invited to ask questions. To ask a question, please press star 1 on your touchstone phone to register. Should you require any assistance during the call, please press star zero. On this morning's call, we have Peter Mapson, Exact Earth CEO, and Sean Maybe, Exact Earth CFO. I would now like to turn the call over to Mr. Maybe. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's call. Before I hand things over to Peter, I would like to remind everyone that some information provided by ExactEarth may constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable securities laws. Our forward-looking statement disclaimer is included on page two of our MDNA, which is available on our website in the ExactEarth CDAR profile. In our disclosure documents and or on the call, we may provide information about order bookings, adjusted EBITDA, and subscription services revenue all of which are not defined by IFRS. These measures are provided as additional information, which we believe is important in the understanding of our business. For further information related to our non-IFRS measures, please see page two of our MDNA. At this point, I'll pass it over to you, Peter. Thanks, Sean. Good morning, everyone. This is our first call since the fall of 2018, and it's a pleasure to be back speaking with you via this format. On today's call, I'll spend a few minutes discussing financial highlights and operational developments for the year, along with a look ahead to 2021, after which I'll turn it over to Sean for a more detailed look at the numbers, and then finally, we'll open it up to questions. Overall, fiscal 2020 was a very successful year, both operationally and financially for Exact Earth. We delivered solid improved performance on all key financial parameters and achieved positive adjusted EBITDA for the year which is a major milestone for the business. ExactView RT, with its real-time service capabilities, continues to establish itself as the leading satellite AIS data service on the market. And this led to multiple new customer wins and channel partner relationships during the year. We also updated our key strategic alliance with L3 Harris and sold certain non-core assets, which helped to reduce our cost base and strengthen our financial foundation. Collectively, our achievements drove strong revenue growth and margin expansion, and we ended the year with a higher order backlog, which gives us good visibility into 2021 revenue. These results were achieved against a challenging backdrop brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. Like most companies, we implemented measures throughout the year to protect employees, customers, and others from the spread of the virus. With the team working remotely, we were able to execute on customer mandates while also working to build and sustain our sales and partner pipeline and advance new opportunities through the sales cycle. 
Our success in fiscal 2020 is owed in part the essential nature of our service, but foremost to the commitment of our team to battle through these challenging conditions and to deliver the kind of operational and financial performance that has reset the growth trajectory of the business. To that end, I want to express my sincere admiration and gratitude to the entire team at Exact Earth, who collectively rose to the challenge in 2020 and delivered. While the pandemic is expected to continue impacting our daily lives well into 2021, fundamentally, the operating prospects for Exact Earth remain sound, <clears throat> and importantly, with the measures we undertook in 2020 to grow our top line and reduce our expense base, our outlook for the business is now stronger than it has been at any time in the past few years. This is our current view, although of course, the longer term economic implications of the pandemic and the recovery from it are difficult for any business to predict. To date, the pandemic has had minimal impact on the business and through our quarterly reporting, we will continue to keep shareholders informed on this issue. Looking now at some of the key highlights that led to a strong 2020 and have positioned us for a promising 2021. <clears throat> in January, we agreed to updated terms for our satellite AIS business agreement with L3 Harris Technologies. This agreement is the foundation for our second generation constellation and for our ExactView RT satellite AIS service. It enables us to deliver this unique real-time global coverage for maritime vessel tracking through L3 Harris's 65 advanced maritime payloads hosted on the Iridium Next constellation. For a modest upfront investment on ongoing costs, we gained access for the next 15 years or more to a $3 billion space infrastructure supporting the world's most advanced high-reliability satellite AIS capability, which represents a significant barrier to entry or competitive moat for the business. Regarding the amended agreement, the bottom line is that it provides Exact Earth with a reduced and simplified cost structure for our satellite AIS data services going forward. It also opens up additional growth opportunities for both parties and further strengthens our alliance with L3 Harris in delivering advanced high-performance satellite maritime service capabilities to customers around the world. <clears throat> Another highlight from 2020, which helped to improve our margin profile, was the sale of certain non-core assets from our first-generation constellation to Miriota. This transaction helped us to achieve several strategic objectives. First, it lowers our cost base and reduces our annual cash outlay by a meaningful amount, which improves our financial position and efforts to become cash flow positive. Second, it positions our business and overall financial profile more in line with that of a pure play data services business, one with stronger margins and significant recurring revenue, much like a SaaS business. Third, we maintain access to the IS data from the Gen 1 satellites in order to support our service. And finally, the agreement preserves a working relationship with Miriota, a company that Exact Earth has invested in and one that we have built a strong business relationship with over the past years. Along those lines, Miriota completed a Series B financing in 2020 and to date has raised a total of over US $37 million. Exact Earth invested $2 million of startup capital in Miriota in 2015, but has not participated in either the Series A or B rounds since then. Our ownership stake is now 13%. We believe the value of our holding has increased in each successive financing, and we also continue to have a seat on the board. Miriota is at the forefront of the next generation satellite Internet of Things market with a disrupt disruptively low-cost solution for tracking and monitoring a broad range of goods and assets. This is an exciting company to watch. 
2020 also saw a number of new contract wins and channel partner agreements that helped to drive our top line growth. Early in the year, we renewed a two-year agreement with Antrix Corporation, the commercial arm of the India, Indian Space Research Organization, to provide satellite AIS data services to the Indian Navy. Following that, with our partner Histosat, we were selected by the European Maritime Safety Agency, EMSA, to provide satellite AIS data services for a four-year period in a contract valued at up to $7 million in total. Just prior to year-end, we began to provide satellite AIS data services to the Government of Canada under a new contract agreement which expands our relationship with the Canadian government. This agreement is separate to our ongoing work for the Department of National Defence, where we are providing AAS data processing services to the Polar Epsilon 2 project via the prime contractor MDA. That project moved into its operations phase in 2020, which resulted in an increase in our involvement and related revenue. On the channel partner front, in 2020, we announced a material expansion of an agreement with one of our existing channel partners. This was a significant achievement for the business, resulting in an increase of revenue from this partner of approximately $2 million per year over a three-year-plus period. This agreement saw significant expansion by this channel partner in terms of the sale and utilization of our ExactView RT service with their data customers and within their platform products. With ExactView RT established as the leading satellite AAS service in the market, our key priorities today are building our sales pipeline and converting those opportunities into new customers. Channel partners form an important part of our sales growth strategy since the right channel partners, with their network of established customer relationships and large experienced sales teams, serve to expand and accelerate our sales pipeline. A final note on looking back at 2020, in September, we announced the successful launch of the eSale microsatellite. The satellite was funded by ESA and Exact Earth and manufactured by a European satellite team led by Luxspace, with the support of the agencies from several member states, such as the Luxembourg Space Agency and the Canadian Space Agency. This was a project several years in the making, and the satellite is currently undergoing in-orbit commissioning prior to being brought into service. It is unique among those that we have been involved in launching, ESAIL incorporates advanced antenna and receiver designs, which, together with our advanced decollision processing technology, is expected to set a new standard for satellite AIS vessel detection. Looking forward into 2021 and beyond, our key focused areas are, <clears throat> firstly, to continue to drive top-line growth through investment in sales and marketing to expand our sales and customer success teams, and also in managing and expanding our channel partner relationships. And secondly, in addition to channel partners, we are also expanding our network of application and platform partners. In the coming years, we intend to work with both our channel partners and development partners to bring about expanded product offerings for surveillance, commodity, fishing, and fleet market applications. In closing, 2020 was a strong year for Exact Earth, where we took the necessary steps to strengthen our financial foundation and position the business for future revenue growth and margin expansion. Looking forward into 2021, while it is uncertain what the impact of COVID-19 will be on the business and broader economy, at this point, we expect to generate subscription services annual revenue growth in the range of 15 to 20%, which is in line with our prior three-year compounded annual revenue growth rate of 17%. Revenue growth in 2021 is expected to result in positive adjusted EBITDA for the year. 
With that, I'll pass it to Sean for a closer look at the numbers. Thanks, Peter. Uh, good morning, everyone. As Peter mentioned, fiscal 2020 was a strong year financially for the business, with revenue up 26% to $19.1 million and adjusted EBITDA of $382,000, up from negative $6.1 million last year. I'll dig into these numbers in, a, in a more detail, and we'll start with a look at the revenue. Q4 revenue was $5.8 million, up 55% compared to Q4 2019. The increase in total revenue reflects uh, strength with our subscription services revenue, as well as with our data products and other products and services revenue. Subscription services revenue, which tends to be revenue of a recurring nature, was $4.7 million, up 37% compared to Q4 last year. Data products and other products and services revenue combined was $1.1 million in Q4, compared to $301,000 in Q4 last year. Revenue of this type is typically one-time in nature and is generated from on-demand customer requests and or special projects. This results in variability from quarter to quarter in these segments, which are better compared on an annual basis. Fiscal 2020 subscription revenue was $16.9 million, up 28% compared to last year, and representing 88% of total fiscal 2020 revenue versus 87% in fiscal 2019. Data products and other products and services revenue was $2.2 million in fiscal 2020 compared to $2 million in fiscal 2019. Order bookings for fiscal 2020 were $24.5 million compared to $13.5 million in fiscal 2019. The increase in fiscal 2020 reflects strong new and renewal order activity with customers in both commercial and government markets. Order bookings backlog at year-end was $28.8 million compared with $22.4 million at the end of last year. This is a good forward-looking indicator, and $15.7 million of revenue from the current order book bookings backlog is expected to be recognized in fiscal 2021. Gross margins improved significantly in fiscal 2020 due to the increase in revenue and the initiatives we undertook to reduce costs. One of those initiatives was assigning the amended agreement with L3 Harris, which Peter mentioned earlier. The primary factor from that amended agreement that helped to lower cost of sales in fiscal 2020 was, rising, was raising the revenue level at which revenue sharing with L3 Harris would kick in. Under the amended agreement, there is an annual fixed fee of 4.3 million US paid monthly in equal amounts and we will pay a 30% revenue share to L3 Harris on the portion of satellite AIS data revenue that is in excess of 16 million US within any fiscal year. It is important to note that not all of our revenue qualifies toward that 16 million US million level. Only the satellite AIS data services revenue contributes to that target. For fiscal 2020, of our 19.2 million in revenue, 15.5 million would be characterized as qualifying towards the revenue share threshold with L3 Harris. Adjusted to US currency, that works out to approximately 11.5 million. So with the revenue share kicking in at around US 16 million, and with us generating approximately 11.5 million of qualifying revenue in fiscal 2020, we can essentially grow our satellite AIS data services revenue 4.5 million or 39% before we begin to pay the revenue share. 
A second initiative undertaken in fiscal 2020 to reduce expenses was the sale of certain assets from our first generation constellation to Mariota. Peter spoke about the rationale behind this transaction in his section. And the bottom line is that there is that this is expected to save us approximately $1 million per year in cash expenses. This kicked in for Q4 2020, so the quarterly results for that period reflect the benefits of that transaction. Selling general and administrative expenses for the quarter and the year were up due to increases in payroll and commissions as order bookings increased as well as due to increases in short and long-term incentives, which reflect the growth in our share price. These expenses were offset in part from lower legal and travel expenses, the latter a reflection of COVID-19 work from home and travel restrictions. Looking forward into 2021, we are contemplating additional hires in the area of sales, marketing, and data science in an effort to maintain our sales momentum. In terms of the impact of COVID-19 on our financials, we did recognize some bad debt in our SGNA line from a distributor in China as their business was impacted by the pandemic. However, aside from this case, as Peter mentioned earlier, our business has not felt a significant impact from the pandemic. It is unclear how 2021 will play out, but to date, we have had resilience of our team, we have the resilience of our team and our satellite AIS service primarily to thank for the minimal impact. Product development and R&D expenses were up slightly in fiscal 2020. We continue to work primarily on the development of analytics and web-based applications, either in collaboration with clients per their individual requests, or on our own with more broad product launches in mind. Adjusted EBITDA was 811,000 in Q4 and 382,000 for the year. These are significant improvements from negative 1.9 million in Q4 last year, and negative 6.1 million overall for fiscal 2019. Adjusted EBITDA results reflect both the strong revenue growth and the cost reduction initiatives achieved in fiscal 2020. Looking now at our overall cash position, CapEx and cash flow, cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments at year-end were 7.5 million compared to 6.8 million at the end of Q3 and 10.2 million at the end of fiscal 2019. In terms of capital expenditures, there will be some commissioning costs in Q1 related to the eSale satellite becoming operational, but overall, CapEx spending will be modest during the year and lower overall than fiscal 2020. Cash generated from operations for Q4 was 865,000, compared to cash used in operations of 4.8 million in Q4 of 2019. Cash used in operations for fiscal 20 was negative 2.2 million compared to negative 6.3 million in fiscal 2019. Overall, we expect that operating cash flows for fiscal 2021 will be favorable to fiscal 2020 as we look to grow the top line, keep a close eye on costs, and explore opportunities to invest for future growth. That concludes my prepared remarks. At this point, I'll ask the operator to please provide instructions to anyone who wishes to ask a question. Operator? Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. 
Again, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1. Your first question comes from David McFadden of Comac Securities. Your line is open. Hi. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, just a couple of questions. Um, <clears throat> I was just looking at your no, – hi, guys. I was just looking at your um, – your revenue outlook. So you're calling for um, subscriber revenue growth of 15 to 20 percent. That's you know higher than what we were thinking. Um, so if I wanted to look at the growth, assuming you didn't restructure the Marietta uh, arrangement, would I add another million dollars on there? Because it seems like the business is picking up in terms of momentum. And I was just wondering what the revenue growth would be if you hadn't. Um, made that change to the contract. <clears throat> sure, Dave. Hi, it's Peter. So, yeah, let me take that one. So, yes, as you point out, in, in fiscal 2020, we had about a million dollars of revenue from Miriota, uh, who were buying capacity on our Gen 1 satellites for their IoT services. And as you correctly point out, when we did the transaction with Miriota to divest the Gen 1 satellites, uh, that revenue stopped. So when we look at fiscal 21, we won't have that revenue. So it's a million dollars of revenue that we had in 2020 that we won't have in 2021. So we have factored that into the the growth range guidance that we were we were giving there. Um, so obviously the 15 to 20 percent on the surface is a lower growth rate than we achieved between 2020 and 21. But then you factor out that million dollars, and I think also. We're obviously keeping a very close eye on the on the COVID situation, um, as both myself and Sean mentioned in our remarks. So far, there's been very little impact, and even now today, we're not seeing any any specific evidence of any of any impact. Nevertheless, um, we've exercised some prudence in looking at the at the forward projection, and obviously, we're keeping a very close eye on that. And if the situation changes, obviously, we'd be informing uh, shareholders. Okay. And just continuing on Mariota for a, for a second, um, you disclosed that yeah you own 13% of the of the business. Um, can you give us an idea, maybe even a, just a ballpark of what that 13% would be worth? Um, well, I think the best thing I can say about that is that um, as we disclosed, we invested two million dollars originally in 2015. Uh, Mariota has gone through two capital raise rounds. Both of those were up rounds. Um, so I think broadly speaking, we are saying that uh, uh, our our view is that certainly the value of our investment has has gone up appropriately through that uh, through that process. Um, Miriota is uh, in the exciting phase of they now have deployed service, they're gaining customers, they're moving forward, deploying more more infrastructure. So as I said, that's a uh, that's a business that we're very happy to be to be part of. Um, and obviously, as a, as a shareholder, we'll be looking as time goes on for uh, for recognizing a return out of that uh, out of that investment. Okay. Um, okay. Just, so, just moving on, then, maybe can you give us an update on um, what the uptake is for for um, people using a Class B AIS transponder? So, I think the. Uh, um, so the question was, what's the what's the uptake on people using Class B uh, transponders? So, first of all, um, we we sell a lot of services of our AS services to government surveillance agencies around the world, and those agencies want to see all vessels in their area of interest, including the Class Bs. So the the fact that we have a significant Class B content in our overall data set 
um, is an advantage and helps support the, the premium pricing for that, for that service. In addition to that, uh, we have a growing population of small, vis small fishing vessels uh, that are being tracked using our, using our service. Uh, we have deployments now in a number of African countries and another one going on at the moment in, the, in Madagascar related to that. So again, that, uh, that uh, continues to sort of ramp up. Um, also, there are a number of efforts underway at the moment, which are much longer term in nature, looking at working that technology into some of the so-called uh, catch validation um, initiatives that are going on that are ultimately uh, aligned to try and prevent illegal fishing by uh, providing traceability of where fish was caught all the way through to where it goes to, to market. So it's definitely an area that's that, that's growing. Um, as we've been saying, I think for a little while now, the 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 fishing, the small fleet fishing uh, activity, that market, we expect to ramp up over a number of years. But it's going to be related to this whole uh, catch validation paradigm catching on in more and more markets. No pun intended. And that we think will take a little while, but it's a very promising long-term market. Okay, just because in your um... In your filings, you, you talk about the, the potential to uh, be able to track a million vessels with the uptake of Class B. So I was just kind of wondering, um, can you give us an update there specifically on the number of Yeah, so at this point in time, um, the system in Toto is tracking something over half a million um, vessels. And that, that overall population is growing in a couple of different ways. First of all, the, the base population uh, of devices is naturally growing in the range of 10 to 15% or so a, a year um, as vessels bring on more, more transponders. Getting up to the million level, uh, that will be related to ultimately the, the potential that several hundred thousand of the, small, the smaller vessels would ultimately become outfitted. And when you look at uh, small commercial fishing vessels, there are several million of them around the world that at this point are not outfitted with any form of tracker. So there's a fairly large potential market there, as mentioned, and there's a couple of, of uh, enabling issues that are being worked on to ultimately enable the, the adoption in those markets. Part of that is getting the, the cost points for the equipment down. Um, this is a market that requires quite low cost points for the equipment in order to be enabled. And secondly, as I mentioned, uh, getting integration with these other systems to perform catch validation and traceability. So this may take a, a few years. I think the point that we're making is that the addressable market is there. The system that we are using on the Iridium Next system with the, the L3 Harris payloads and technologies has the capability to deal with that volume of vessels. Okay. And then just lastly, can you Tell us what additional uh, capability that eSail microsatellite will bring to the table. So a couple of things there. Um, first of all, as was mentioned in the in the scripted uh, remarks, the eSail satellite involves some an advanced antenna uh, designs, um, as well as a as a new advanced receiver incorporating updated uh, updated software that comes from the the SeaTex people in in Norway combined with our advanced ground processing software. So overall, the expectation is that will further improve the ability to detect uh, AAS vessels via satellite um, in some of the very dense areas of the, of the world. So we're expecting eSail to contribute positively to the detection population in our base, our base services. 
in addition, it's expected that eSale will be used for some uh, initial uh, evaluation and validation works related to potential of future uh, digital services in the in the maritime bands as a uh, as a, an experimental satellite in that regard. Okay. All right. That's it for me. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. There are no further questions at this time. I'll turn the call over to Mr. Mapson for closing remarks. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Tanken. And thank you to everyone for participating on today's call. Uh, we hope you have a safe, healthy, and happy holiday season. And we look forward to speaking with you and reporting to you in the coming quarters. Goodbye. And this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.